All right, I got a sermon for you today. Um, Glad you guys are here. We're in a series called uh, Courageous, and uh, I just felt this was an important series for us to do, and and there's a few reasons why. First, let's put up that definition of courage. Courage is the ability to face danger, difficulty, uncertainty, or pain without being overcome by fear or deflected from a chosen course of action. In order for us to make an impact on this world, both corporately and individually, we need courage. But how many know pain, difficulty, uncertainty, ambiguity, fear are things that are inevitabilities really in life. And uh, in order for us to stay with that chosen course of action, we have to have courage. Because how many know life isn't easy? Newsflash, right? Life isn't easy. Um, life is, can be difficult. It's kind of difficult no matter who you are, but, and especially when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you are going against the grain of culture. Like, you're going to be going against the grain of culture and where things are going if you choose to follow Jesus. And even more so at that point, you need courage in your life. I, I would say this, by the way, if you don't feel um, opposition from time to time, you might be going in the wrong direction, right? If you, it's, it's actually a good thing if you bump into a, a demon every once in a while because you're going in the opposite direction, right? Okay, so <clears throat> opposition isn't evidence that we're doing things wrong in our life. Opposition is actually evidence that we're, we're going in the right direction for God, amen? But we need courage to do that. Let me do a quick review from uh, our message last week. I, uh, we did this, we read this first last week, John 16, 33. It says this, um, this is the, the Passion Translation. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. This is Jesus' words, by the way. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. All right? And we must be courageous in this world. You will, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And uh, we'll go ahead and put up that, that uh, Strong's definition of courageous. I love this. It means bolstered from within, which supports unflinching courage, literally to radiate warm confidence. All right? There's, there's, a, there's a confidence, there's a courage that God wants to put in each of our hearts that bolsters us from within. It holds us up from within. And, and it literally means that we could radiate this warm confidence or this Godfidence, right? How many want to radiate Godfidence? I want to be confident in my God. I want to be confident in his plan, purpose, destiny for my life and for this church. So the title of my message last week was called Radiant. And uh, we talked about how to become courageous, okay? Um, how to radiate this warm confidence. Now, since it was a snow day and some people missed, I want to encourage you, if you missed that message, go back and listen to it on our, on our website, citylights.church. You can, you can listen to it there. The reason why is because last week I talked about how to have um, confidence, how to, or how, I'm sorry, how to have uh, that courage, courageous, how to be courageous. This week I'm going to talk about how to give it away. So how many know you can't give away what you don't have? So if you don't have courage, you can't give it away. Go back and listen to last week's message and we talked about how to become courageous. This week we're going to talk about how to give it away. All right. Um, recently we had a, uh, a director's kind of retreat, went up to a cabin for a couple days and a lot of our directors didn't even, they all knew us, but they didn't know each other. It's kind of like we chose them, but they didn't choose each other. So there's these new relationships, and like any new relationships, there's dynamics, and not all the personalities gel. But it's been really good 
<laughs> That's a nice way of saying we've had some problems. No, uh, <laughs> relational strains, you know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, no, it's been it's been really good. But of course, of course, there's always you know personalities, relational strains, and working through things. It's part of life. Um, but we've had this opportunity to start. This was Matt and Joy's idea. Um, to start hearing everyone's testimony. So we've given opportunity for everyone to take 15, 30 minutes, whatever, and just tell their entire story, what they're comfortable sharing, their entire testimony. And at the end, we've been coming around them and then praying, prophesying, giving them encouraging words and stuff like that. It's been powerful. And I think our, our staff has uh, come together in a really special way. And I think our church has even come to a next level because of that. And so what are we doing? We are depositing and giving courage when we do that. We're hearing each other's testimony and, we're, and we're, there's an opportunity for us to give courage, to deposit courage in other people. It's so amazing. And uh, what I want to say about that is how many of you, you ever been in a season of your life where you just, you wanted to give up? Maybe not necessarily die or whatever, but you were just, there was a chosen course of action you wanted to throw in the towel. How many have been there? I think all of us, right? You never wanted to give up ever? Okay. I've wanted to give up a few times in, in certain ways. I mentioned this, this testimony last week. I think it, I think it even bears repeating that um, we all get to this place in life where we want to give up, right? And, and we encounter people that want to give up all the time. I mentioned this last week, but my, my grandma, who lives in Montana, she has Alzheimer's. So um, she, sometimes I'll call her and literally she doesn't, which one are you? You know, like she's not doing good. And my dad was telling me recently that somebody called their number on accident trying to get a hold of a doctor that would do assisted suicides. And my grandma and grandpa, you know how they both get on the phone. And um, my grandpa's like, oh, this is the wrong number. And he did, he's like, uh, I'm not really sure what to do here. And my grandma's on the other line. And even in her state of uh, cognitively not being good, she, she like at that moment pulled it together and led this person to Jesus. Like, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Oh, you don't want to do that. And led this person to Jesus. What I want to say about that is like, you never count yourself out. Like God can use you. If you're here, if you're still here, you're still breathing, everyone do this. Okay. Okay. That's not happening. Anyway, then then you can't hear me. Okay. Um, If you're still here, God has a plan, purpose, destiny for you. And if you might think you're too young and you're disqualified, you might think you're too old and you're disqualified, you're not disqualified, you're here. God wants to use you. Amen? So today I want to highlight three ways that we can give courage to each other. Or I'll say it like this. There's three vehicles that God commonly uses to deposit courage in people around us, okay? Now I want you to imagine each of us have like a courage tank, all right? Now how many know life makes withdrawals on that courage tank? Life is making withdrawals which is why we need to make regular deposits in that courage tank. You never know when you're going to need courage. You never know when you're going to need that tenacity. That's why we always want to be making deposits in that courage tank, and we want to be making deposits in other people's courage tank. The word encourage means to put courage in. When I'm encouraging you, you're encouraging me, you're depositing courage. You're putting courage in. The word discourage means to take courage out. Okay? And we want to have a culture of encouragement, of putting courage into people. So how do we give courage? I'll give you three things today. Number one, really simple, is with our words. Your words are powerful. With your words, you're either putting courage in people or you're taking courage out of people. 
Um, our words are one of the most powerful vehicles that God can use to put courage into people. I'm gonna go through um, a couple of scriptures here. Proverbs 18, 20 through 22. Uh, verse 20 says this, from the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. You, you guys have maybe heard the, the phrase that like, oh, I'm gonna eat my words on that, or that person's gonna eat their words, right? Well, that, that basically means like something I said is gonna be proven. I'm gonna have to admit that that was actually wrong later on. That's eating your words. But technically, you're gonna eat all your words, whether they're right or whether they're wrong. You're, you're gonna be um, filled from the words that you speak into the life, into the atmosphere. Your, in fact, your environment around you for um, a large part is created by the words that you speak in your life. We need to be really careful with the words that we, don't say everything that comes to your mind. Like, not every thought you think is your thought. <laughs> and don't give every thought life, amen? Okay, but your words carry power. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. it says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. You can speak life over people, you can speak death over people. You can speak life over yourself, you can speak death over yourself. Okay, it's, it's important um, that we understand this. Words are um, like bridges. We can establish relationships through words, right? And we can destroy relationships through words. Words are like bridges. Um, I'll give you an example of this. The very next verse, Proverbs 18, 22. It says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. I don't think it's a coincidence that the verse that precedes finding a wife is preceded by a verse that talks about your words, the power of your words. Like if you got married, you found a wife, you probably said some nice things, right? You probably, you probably said some nice words to build that bridge to find a wife and receive favor from the Lord, okay? Um, how many here have ever been in a fist fight? It's okay, you can raise your hand. I've been in a few fist fights. I used to fight a lot, okay. I'm, I was honoring. Okay, the Lord, is, the Lord has done a work. Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, were there some words exchanged beforehand? Usually, words were some kind of gesture, I don't know, you know. Usually some kind of gesture or words were exchanged before there was an altercation or a fist fight. Okay, words can bring life, words can bring death, and they can also be the vehicle to put courage in other people. James chapter three, verses nine through 12, it says this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt, a salt spring produce fresh water. Okay, what, he, what he's saying here is that in the natural, it's unnatural for plants to produce two different kinds of fruit. It's unnatural for a spring to give both fresh water and salt water. But for some reason, with our words, we can actually, we could praise God right here as we just did. We can praise God with our words. We can walk out of this place, someone cut us off in traffic, and curse a person with, our same, with the same mouth, with the same tongue, okay? James says this should not be the case. Now, um, I must confess that, I, you know, we all have our pet peeves, Right? And so um, I would, if someone almost runs me off the road, I'm almost nicer to them than if they don't utilize acceleration lanes. Like they get into the acceleration lane, 
that just drives me crazy. Like, you can almost kill me, and I'm like, they're fine, they made a mistake. But if you get an acceleration and you just sit there and look, it's like, go, go. You know, those, I have to remember in those moments, okay, this person was made in God's likeness and image. <clears throat> Don't curse them, <clears throat> especially if I'm late getting my kids to school or something. Like, Come on. All right. <clears throat> but um, our words should be life-giving all the time. Proverbs 10, 11 says this, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. We're, okay, so words are so important, but the next two like vehicles I'm going to share with you to put courage into people also involve words, okay? And uh, this is also a, kind of a side story that I just mentioned real quick last week. Being at the right place at the right time is so important. God will put you in those divine appointments to speak courage into people's life. We have to be cognizant of this. God will use us in amazing ways. So, so the first one is, how do we give courage? The gift, um, I'm sorry, use our words. Number two, how do we give courage? The gift of encouragement, okay? Again, it involves our words, though. The need for courage in this world is so important that God made a gift specifically to give courage. A lot of the gifts of the Spirit deposit courage, but there are um, this one is specifically designed to put courage in people. That's how important having courage is in this life. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, it says this. <clears throat> we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. All right? God knew it was so important for you and I to stay encouraged. He, he put gifts in the body of Christ specifically designed to keep you encouraged. Amen? Some people have a grace on their life to give courage. You need to find these people. You need to stock them, Okay? Find people with the gift of encouragement, stock them. They might encourage you to leave them alone, but at least you're being encouraged, okay? <laughs> Be encouraged. Uh, I mentioned this last week, but the day that our daughter, um, the day we found out the diagnosis of, of her being autistic, that was a tough day. And, um, and my wife ran into Pastor John in uh, Target. That's we never run into them, like ever, in Greeley. What's that? Walmart, thank you, it was Walmart. We never run into them anywhere, but that day that we had a really bad diagnosis, a really heartbreaking thing happened to us. It was like, you know, experiencing a death almost, death of a dream, you know. She runs into Pastor John, and at that moment, he was able to sow courage in. He was able to, this, he said, this is a divine appointment. This is not by accident. He was able to sow courage into her. It's really important that we're in the right place at the right time, and we have those, those words for people. The third, um, the third way we can deposit courage is, number three, the gift of prophecy. Okay, the gift of prophecy is a vehicle that puts courage into others. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 through 3, it says this, for anyone who speaks in a tongue, this is talking about speaking in tongues, by the way, for anyone who uh, speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Verse 3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Okay? A genuine prophetic word from someone should produce strength, encouragement, and comfort in your life. Okay? Now, here's why. I want to tell you why this is the case. 
the primary thrust in the New Testament of prophecy is not foretelling, although it can be foretelling. Okay, prophecy can be foretelling, of course. The primary thrust of it in the New Testament is not foretelling, it's forthtelling. Okay, forthtelling is calling out, calling the gold out of people. And how many know when someone calls the gold out of you, that's very encouraging. The Greek word for prophecy here in 1 Corinthians 4.3, it occurs 28 times in the New Testament and usually refers to forthtelling, which reveals the mind of God or the message of God for a particular situation or over a particular person, okay? Usually it's not uh, foretelling. And so prophecy, many times, God, how many know God's thoughts towards us are innumerable? Prophecy is saying, I want to take one of those thoughts and give it to that person. Or I'm going to take one of those thoughts and, and give it to that person and it's going to bring direction to their life. Here's what God thinks about you. Here's what God thinks about that situation that you're in, okay? Finding out what God thinks about you is amazing. Finding, what, finding out what God thinks about you is powerful. Here's why. When, usually when God has a word for you and what he thinks about you, he doesn't, he's not looking at you usually with the mess that you made. He's looking at you according to your created value. When he looks at you according to your created value, that's going to be encouraging. That's going to be um, a word of prophecy that will bring encouragement to you. Um, usually, if someone gives you a prophetic word, it will actually confirm something that's already in your heart. It's saying, yeah, that is me. Oh, yeah, that's totally me. That's so encouraging. Oh, my gosh, God knew that about me. He told that person, that person told me. It's usually confirming something that's already, it's usually not out of left field. Like prophecy, when someone gives you a prophetic word, it's out of left field. Usually those have like fallen flat. And I just want to say, we, have a, we want to have a prophetic culture here where we give words of knowledge, where we give prophecy to people. And I just want to say, we also need to have the ability to uh, flush it down the toilet if it doesn't bear witness with you, <laughs> okay? I have a picture to illustrate this. Go ahead and uh, throw that. When someone at church gives you a word, that doesn't make any sense. This is also the same face you make when you're praying for someone you can't remember their name. It's like, guy, bless this woman, you know. <laughs> okay, if you get a prophetic word and this is your reaction, it's not bearing witness with you, it's okay to just get rid of it, okay? We need, you know, listen, I've had, I've had reputable prophets, like people who are accurate, give me a word that wasn't right. I, I don't care, I'm not in a quandary over it. It's like, oh, that one was wrong. People miss it. You know, we're not in the Old Testament. We're not stoning people for missing prophecy. In fact, we want to commend people for taking a risk, for stepping out. So, but in a prophetic culture, you also have to be willing to say like, yeah, that one didn't, that one didn't land. It's all good, you know? Um, I asked Matt if I could share this story at the beginning of the service, but they have their um, Northern Colorado Worship and Prayer and um, their Worship and Prayer Nights um, that they've been doing for a while. And they got feedback. I don't even know if they ever found out who did this, but they got feedback that someone was just going through a really hard thing because at one of their nights, someone had given a word to a young man that he was supposed to be celibate. And it just messed up his whole week. He's like, I don't want to be celibate. And it's, you know, and it just threw him off. And it's like, listen, man, if you don't have the grace to be celibate, that word was not for you, you know? If, if you're called to be celibate, there's going to be grace to be celibate, right? Okay. I don't have that gift. That's why I married my wife, okay? <laughs> and we have kids, so there's the evidence of that, so. <laughs> I 
Okay, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about prophecy here. Okay. Uh, Prophecy and telling someone something encouraging, they're not the same thing, but they run parallel. Usually they run parallel. Prophecy and telling someone something encouraging. Um, I'm going to make up a, I'm going to make up a hypothetical like word here, a hypothetical prophecy. Now, if I tell someone like, I like your hair or I like your shoes, that's encouraging, right? Someone says like, like, yeah, that's encouraging, but that's not prophecy. But this is an example of what a prophetic word could look like. Okay, this is an this example. Hey, I notice you have curly hair and I feel like that's a reflection of the way God made you to be on the inside. Like your hair is wild, but he made you to be wild. And you know what? People in your life at times have told you that you're too much and you need to tone it down. But God's saying like he made you that way and you need to like keep that intensity. Like that's a, like that's a prophetic word, right? It's encouraging. God made you this way. It's calling the gold out of them, right? And it gives courage. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, we were during worship and like um, I'm up here in the front and ben, ben Miller, who's our youth guy, who's not here today, he came up to me, he goes, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you you're anointed to preach the gospel. And he struggled over giving me that word. He said, it was easier for me to come up here and tell people God wants to do this or that than to come over to you and tell you you're anointed to preach the gospel. He's like, yeah, God, I know he's anointed to preach the gospel. He's got his notes. He's about ready to go up. He's about ready to speak. He knows he's anointed to preach the gospel. But he just felt it strong in, in, in his heart. And at the time, I was like, okay, thank you, you know. What he didn't know is at the time, I was just having a very, I just having an insecure moment. And it wasn't because things were going bad in church. It was actually, everything was going really good. And I was like, God, things are going good. Help me steward this, you know. And I, literally, this is the prayer. I was like, God, I hope you got the right guy. Are you sure you got the right? I'm having, I'm like, my, my sermon, I was like, I don't know if my sermon's any good. I'm about to get up and, and uh, speak, you know, and I'm just having this insecure moment. And a, literally a minute later, like, God, you got the right guy. A minute later, Ben comes up and he says, you're anointed to preach the gospel. I'm like, okay, I'm anointed to preach the gospel, you know? You, got, you do got the right guy here, God. Like, come on, all right. Like, that was encouraging, Okay. <laughs> That was, a word of, that was a word of prophecy. That was very encouraging at the time. So my point is this. Find prophetic voices in your life. The more, the better. And as a church, as a culture, we want to lean into prophecy. We want to give prophecy because it brings encouragement. It brings comfort. It builds people up. Amen? All right. I will, I'll conclude with, with this. Um, Friday, seems like I've been doing a lot of funerals lately. And uh, we did, we did uh, young adult ministry for nine years. And I did like, you know, I don't know, six funerals or something like that. And we've been doing this church for a year. And I've, in the last like three months, I've, I've done like three funerals. I've got another one Friday. So lots of, lots of funerals lately. Anyway, um, but usually when I've done a funeral, I've never really known the person that I'm doing the funeral for very well. It's usually like a friend, a friend's dad, someone's grandma. And I've maybe met the person one time, two times. In some cases, I never met them, and I'm, and I'm officiating their funeral. And I always make this joke in the funeral. If I'm officiating someone's funeral, I'm like, I never got to meet them, but given the fact that I am, I suspect that we'll have something to talk about when I get to heaven, like a good conversation starter, you know, when I get to heaven. But uh, um, for the first time I did a funeral, someone that actually was um, actually pretty close to me. I worked at um, the Safeway in Windsor for... Um, seven years, and from the time I started there, from the time I left, there was a woman there named Penny, 
and she worked in the meat and seafood department. And so when you work with someone for seven years, kind of in a confined area in the back, you know, like you get to know them really well. And um, so some of the coworkers said, you know, and I haven't really talked to her much in 10 years. I could stop in the store from time to time. And um, it surprised me that they said she had talked about me from time to time. And someone mentioned like, I think you should do your funeral. She's, she's talked about you from time to time. Sometimes you're the only like connection to God that people have, you know? And so I agreed. I was, yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to do a funeral. And, um, but then I found myself preparing that message and I'm like getting choked up about her because I knew her better than anyone I'd ever met. And this is, what, this is what really made it special and hard for me at the same time is I was going through a very dark season in my life um, after I had started at the store there. And Penny, I, she didn't talk a lot about faith or God, but I, my understanding is that she did receive the Lord at a younger age in a Baptist church. But um, so as far as I knew, she knew the Lord. She didn't talk about faith much, though. But when I was going through that dark time, she was one of those people in my life that was able to deposit courage. She was like, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. She was one of the most supportive and reliable people in my life at that time. And I said this at the funeral. I said, um, there was actually a lot of people there who I'd worked with formerly. And I said, you know, um, she didn't know that. Never got a chance to really tell her that, that how much she meant to me. And the people, the other coworkers I had been with, um, I said, I don't know if you know this, but you were part of God's faithfulness to me in my life. Because you spoke words of encouragement when I was going through something really hard in my life. And the reason I'm saying that is when we're, so we're surrounded by people who are desperate for courage. We're surrounded by people who desperately need courage and a world that desperately needs hope and desperately needs a savior that we know. My encouragement today is it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be elaborate, but just your, your simple words of kindness, your simple encouragement to people can make all the difference in the world. It wasn't elaborate what she said to me, but it was enough to get me through. It was part of God's faithfulness in my life. And um, yeah, I just want to, I want to have a culture that gives courage. I want to have a culture that deposits courage in others. Amen? All right. So I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll close. Go ahead and put up those uh, three points. There we go. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for every individual in this place, Lord God. I pray that we would be a culture, Lord, that cultivates courage that builds people up, Lord God. I, I, God, through our words, through um, the gift of encouragement, God, through the gift of prophecy, Lord, and any other way, God, there are other um, avenues, God, that we can give courage. But I just pray, Lord, for everyone here today, Lord, that we would see ourselves as the answer to the problems that are around us. We'd see ourselves as the creative solution, God's creative solution in the world around us. So, Lord, I pray for, um, for us to see ourselves that way, as people who can be at the right place at the right time with the right word, Lord. And so I just speak confidence over everyone here to lean into that, to be a culture that gives courage, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.